Welcome, everybody, to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Friday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer experience. So grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. All right, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Caitlin Postal. Hey, Brian, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a Friday, so how bad can it be? I survived. That's right. We made it. Yeah, exactly right. And today we have a very special guest, uh, a really, really close friend of ours that we've known for a while, uh, founder and former CEO of Whiplash and entrepreneur extraordinaire, James Marks. <laughs> hey, Brian. Hey, Caitlin. How are you doing? Hey, James. Doing well. All right. Nice to see so, you, folks. Nice to see you too. I mean, it's been uh, it's been a while, but uh, you know, we've 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 had some great shared experiences together. So, really happy to have you join us today. What you've been up to, man? Tell us, give us a little bit of you know, give the audience a little bit of background on yourself, and kind of give us a little bit of uh, where you are these days. Yeah, sure. So, a little bit of background. I started my first company when I was 17. Uh, I had to wait a week to sign my first lease because I wasn't legally able to sign that document. Um, that was a, a vegan grocery store in Pontiac, Michigan, which uh, strangely did not thrive. Um, <laughs> a surprise to me, certainly, maybe not to literally anyone else. Um, but that Sounds was like a, it's a bit of a meat and potatoes community there. So you you, you gave it a shot. <laughs> I gave it a shot. And like, well, we can get into what did and did not go well there because some of it was truly magical. I don't want to, to say it was all disaster. But right. um, that was the beginning of like just being in business for me. I was the first entrepreneur in my family and so had a lot to learn. And um, that was the beginning. I turned that into a screen printing shop, which somehow made sense at the time, and then turned that screen printing shop into a fulfillment business. Um, which is how we got involved, which is Whiplash and, and how we all ended up together. That's that's crazy. And and was it a series of mistakes that led to <laughs> fortune? <laughs> it was definitely a series of mistakes. I think that much is clear that that is definitely how I learned. So I have this weird problem. That, and I think it's actually true for any entrepreneur where you have this challenging relationship with authority where you need to disrespect some authority or you're not going to do it in the first place. Right. right. There's a little bit, Screw there's the a, man. Yeah, there's something <laughs> contrarian about starting your business saying, no, I can do it better. Right. But then but then also it meant that like I said that about like paying my taxes. And, like everyone's like, you have to pay your taxes. And I'm like, we'll see about that. <laughs> they were right on, on the taxes thing. Well, I mean, you have to like nobody's going to tell James that he can't take his vegan shop and turn it into screen printing shops. Right. It's not. Right. No, 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 right. And, like, and no one's going to tell me that I can't. So there's this interesting relationship with authority that I've been struggling with my whole life. And like basically anything that's going well for me now is because I insisted on doing it wrong the first time, finding out like, oh, okay. You, you do have to pay your parking tickets and then and then correcting for that. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Some some things you can get away with. But but you're right. I mean, look, it all starts out with and and, you know, I, I came from from a from a family business and, and it was very entrepreneurial myself. And you've got to always be questioning. Yeah. You know, um, our friend Jeff from from Whiplash said the entrepreneur always bets on himself. And I think that's really true. And 
I think I get played by that sometimes. Um, but it's it's just I'm gonna bet on myself whether that's a good bet or not. That's sort of the entrepreneur's perspective. Right. Right. And and I mean, is it is it fearlessness? Absolutely not. So that's actually okay. what's what's a really interesting thing is when I look back at my successes and failures and just everything, there's actually a fear of like rejection that mm -hmm. has been just ever present in, in everything I've done. Um, and some of my, when I look back at like a problem area, I'm like, oh, that was actually fear-based thinking. Um, so it's not a fearlessness, but maybe it should be, or, or at least recognized, I, I don't know. Right, right. So, so, uh, you know, where would you, coming out of your first experiences, like what was really one of the first lessons you learned <laughs> oh boy <laughs> where do you start <laughs> pay your taxes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. pay your parking tickets pay your, pay your non-moving violations they will come for you in the end so that's probably the first lesson I learned is that the state has more time than you do and they will come for you in the end um, no there, there's nothing too too tragic there but um yeah, let's see. Going going back to that grocery store, I was 17, turning 18, so idealistic and blended with that was this naivete and naivete, naivete. Um, they, they both sound ridiculous. Right. <laughs> uh, I was very naive. But you had them both. You I had them both. <laughs> and... Uh, so I think starting there, you've got to be filled with that optimism. And what I, I try to do too many hard things at once. Like looking back, you're like, I was trying to do a vegan grocery store 30 years before vegan was a household name. Right. Um, right now we've got like Impossible and Beyond and it's in every grocery store. And you can get a, a vegan Big, uh, Big Mac or Whopper at Burger King. Right. That, was, that was not true in like, you know, 1995. Right. Um, and so I was trying to do exclusively vegan in a very difficult kind of burned out neighborhood mm -hmm. as a first generation entrepreneur self-funded with a small inheritance and it's just you, you can really pick one hard thing right and, okay what is our hard thing that we're going to tackle and maybe if you're really good you could do two but trying to do all of them at once it was just it was just too much Right. And, and I guess it's one of those things, though, you, you maybe the lesson that you learned. There's things that you can draw from that you can extrapolate in, in, in your next venture. Is, that, is yeah, that fair? That's definitely fair. So it's like the school of hard knocks. Right. right. It's like I didn't I, I graduated high school a semester early, did one semester of community college and said this isn't for me. So. What it meant was that I got all of my learning, you know, in in business and just, you know, having it like like I said, everything has to defend itself to me. You talk to accountants or bookkeepers who to me just like reeked of mainstream and the man and I didn't want anything to do with these people. But I would, so I would sort of hear their thing through a filter of my problems with authority and they'd be like, you should be making a profit and loss statement. And like, this is how you like manage your business. And I'm like, oh, we'll see about your profit <laughs> and loss statement. That sounds like something the man would say. Right, exactly. And You're then just... going bankrupt and then. Right. You know, you're like, it's like, and then I have to come to it myself. I'm like, if only we had some way to track how much money we brought in and then subtract out our expenses, we'd know if we were going to have money for rent or not. And then you're like, 
Oh, that's that thing they were talking about. Oh, the P&L. Now <laughs> I understand. Now I understand. So everything has had to, like, defend itself to me. I think I'm a bit of a, a skeptic in uh, in a healthy way, So sort of. So, James, moving towards the fulfillment, uh, the story of Whiplash, it's a story I love to tell. It's so well-received. And I guess the way I tell it is the way that the media likes to tell those stories, right? I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing air quotes for the folks that, that can't see yeah. it. So the overnight success story, right? And I was surprised yeah. to learn that you had tried, <laughs> Whiplash was your third try. I never knew that. I'd leave that out of the story. Well, it's because uh, no one knows about the first two because they were <laughs> dead in the water. Right. So, so tell us a little bit about what made the third try stick or what you did differently um, that made the overnight success yeah. that was 12 years in the making. Yeah. So, so in case it goes back to that, there was a point after the grocery store where I had a screen printing shop. We did T-shirts and stickers for bands, basically, bands and small businesses. And so one of the natural things that happens there is the band goes on the road. And who is going to run the web store while the band's on the road, right? We can't just right. not ship orders for two weeks. Um, right. And so there's this obvious relationship where look, we are making all these shirts. What if we just kept them on our shelf and then shipped them out as people as people ordered them, which we now know is called fulfillment, then it's the beginning of like a warehousing business. So that was really the, the trying to figure out how to expand the, the screen printing shop. And I've actually seen a number of other screen printing shops. I've got friends who have had that work successfully and were able to pull that off. I couldn't for whatever reason. I think I didn't know enough people and there, there wasn't, there's actually, there's like a cold start problem where if you don't have enough customers to make it like an ongoing activity and sort of profitable or at least generating interesting revenue, then you just, it just kind of dies on the vine. And so we did that um, twice. <laughs> where, <laughs> learned where, that like, lesson twice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think I just learned it again six months ago. Like I think I'm right. continuing to learn that lesson that you need to launch with customers like you can't just launch into a vacuum in this like field of dreams build it and right. they will come it just yeah. you need some daily volume for people to care and stick around i would imagine right you're like okay you've got you've got all these grand ideas you get them out there and but who are you getting them out there to and if you don't have a flow yeah yeah and this and this goes back to my the grocery store i had some friends in the music scene and i think i had not realized that i thought my friends were going to be my customers and right. it's going to be this like magical land where they're all in here every day buying their groceries and like this is how we're going to get this business to work and that's just not the way it works like maybe your your friend or your somebody who really cares about just going to like support you in some way but you need a customer base right you need many more people than you know currently and like your, your customers are going to be built out of strangers so i think when you have that cold start problem it's how do you get that small base of maybe strangers maybe friends to get you going yep just so you can make it over that first you know six months let's call it well, using your band analogy, right? I mean, so, or using a band analogy, you, you first start playing out in public and all of your friends and family come to see you and you've got this sort of mini packed house for a few shows and then they all have to go to work, you know, right. the next day. And it sounds like how our podcast started, Brian. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Old starts are never well, easy. a little too close. To That's right, I felt it. <laughs> so, so with the complete distrust and disdain for the man... Yeah. Like where where do, where did you go as an entrepreneur to learn more and get some guidance and how how did that work? Well, I, I think as a mistake, I just always turned to myself. I always thought I had to come up with the answer myself. 
just maybe a little bit too afraid to ask questions, yep. was afraid that I would get bad answers. Um, and so I, I, I thought I had to do everything myself. And it, it, I think it held me back in a lot of ways. I put the question back to you, where do these networks come from? Because I don't necessarily know that I have the right answer. Right. Well, I, if there's one thing that is out there is more prevalent now, I think it's people can find their, their people, right? Yeah. Their community. Yeah. Um, and that, and, and that's out there. Uh, it's just, I, I mean, is there, I mean, I've, I've met, I certainly have met serial entrepreneurs like yourself along the way. Is there, is there a, is there a, an entrepreneurial network out there or a network of entrepreneurs, I should say that, that you can turn to for guidance? I, so what I have found is so I'm starting another business right now over the last year and any, any community I joined, there's some interesting communities out there. There's like a, um, you know, website for bootstrappers and they're just building their first businesses and they're all together and there's some support, but it's like social media where I think sometimes it hurts as much as it helps, right? Where you mm -hmm. do meet a couple of interesting people, but then you're also comparing yourself to other people on there and you're, you know, you're getting their highlight reel and comparing that to yourself and sometimes right. feeling, feeling bad about that, sometimes discouraged. Um, the thing that I have working right now is that we're building a business that requires a lot of trust. Like we're building profit and loss statements. We can see people's revenue and, and it, the only people who I realize want to work with me right now are some of my oldest friends, some of the people that I've known for literally 20 years at this point who are willing to talk about the problems that they have, that there's this huge trust issue. Because if you don't know me, if I'm just, you know, some guy off the street saying, hey, what problems are there with your business? I want to fix them. They're like, we don't have any problems. You know, and right. this, this wall goes up. And so it goes back to you have to, to start a business. You've got to have that trust somewhere. I think what I should have done when I left Whiplash was launch my next business out of Whiplash in a in a way that everyone knew I was doing and like solved a problem that Whiplash wasn't solving. And in okay, I've got my 10 customers. It's friendly. It's known that I'm doing this, and then use that as the momentum. Right. And I, I didn't do I didn't deceive anyone. Everyone knew I was leaving, but I didn't build that bridge as as much as I should have. And I think that was a mistake. Okay. Because okay. that's where the, that was my network. Those are the people that trusted me. That they're the people that I was em employed in alongside, right? Right, right. Um, and going going back to why the third fulfillment attempt was different, what we had was a customer at that screen printing shop, which was Modest Mouse, which mm -hmm. Modest Mouse is like indie rock legends, right? In, you know, platinum selling band, and so they. We, we, we figured we could build a business around that, that there was enough daily flow that you could have at least a part-time employee showing up every day and building this thing. And there was like a reason to kind of keep it going. And we mistakenly thought, it was like, oh, if we've got Modest Mouse, everybody else is going to come running. There it that's is. It. That's, where, that's where the story gets familiar for me. That's where I start. Right. And that's not at all what, what happened. It took, it took years still, even from that point. Um, the second customer was my friend's Ghostly International, who's a, a renowned digital um, techno label. Uh, and then we started kind of wading into the problem and the, the story that Caitlin has been telling, which is, you know, they, they needed... A warehouse management system we we didn't even know that term at the time we're like they need just like a system that works well and, and communicates all this information and you know it was five years in before we started calling it a wms this guy didn't know what a wms was <laughs> right pnls wms everything has to 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not listening to that acronym. I'm acronym. Google I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it and poo-poo on these answers. These aren't right. Yeah. Exactly. And then you're like, you built mess. We got a term for that. And you're like, no, okay. So I would imagine what we want to convey here too is a message to to entrepreneurs who are listening. You know, what are for for young entrepreneurs starting out? I, what are some of the the cautions? And red tails, like t- tell your tales of woe, James. Tell us, t- tell those red flags that you may have swam past and and there then realize, so oh, that's why it was there. There are so many. Um, I think one of the biggest ones that, that hit me personally, and I think I had read about it in books and then I had to experience it myself to really get it, um, just like the silent assumptions where you've answered a question yourself and maybe didn't even realize you had made an assumption, but that you're going out on a limb. And my example of that is in the beginning of Whiplash, we were buying the postage to ship all these packages and that's on a cash cash basis. And we were billing our customers net 30. So at the end of the month, they would get, we'd prepare them an invoice. They would write us a check within three days, right? They're very fast payers and pay us back for all that postage. But what it meant was we couldn't afford to run the business because you know we might spend at the time, it was like $5,000 a month on postage that we weren't going to get back for 30 days. We just didn't have the money to, to float that for them. And so this was becoming worse and worse as the company got bigger. And I assumed that if I asked for more money from my customers or to change the payment arrangements so that we would have, we would have that float, they were just going to leave. I was like, this is critical to their businesses. I can't ask for more money. There's all this fear and assumptions around what I think is going to happen if I try to change the payment relationship. And so we got to this very bad day where I woke up, the bank account is negative. Sean, my co-founder and I are tapped out. I know neither of us can really afford to put any more money into the business. And we're just like, we're going to, we can't ship today. What are we going to do? We literally are going to break our promises over this. And so I see that, take a shower and just like try and decide how I'm going to react to this. And what I decide is we're going to have to switch to a prepayment model. All of our customers are going to leave. And that's the best we can do is we'll just start over with this prepay model. And we find some room on a credit card somewhere. We get through the day. That day I email our customers and say, hey, we're going to switch to this model. I'm really sorry, but this is this. We have to do this. And the response is still overwhelming to me. I get chills just thinking about it, how wrong I was. No one cared. They all switched to the prepay model. It, with the exception of one customer asked if they could go into it in a month instead of immediately. And so our business changed overnight from something that was killing us to something that just worked and could grow frictionlessly. And nobody cared. I had made all these assumptions about how it was going to be reacted. And I was just so wrong. Yeah, it's wild. And I was reading a few of your articles and I loved the line where you said, do not confuse assumptions with the truth. And I think we're all very guilty of doing this, right? Like this, this assumption that you made blindly could have buried you again. Right. Yeah. So it's like, how do you, how do you take those calculated risks or like get out what you call get outside the building uh, to kind of overcome these assumptions? Yeah. I mean, so the reality is I wasn't talking to my customers about my problems. And because the reality is that it was a very collaborative relationship. I think I am a little bit sensitive about money and you're scared to talk about money because it's an admission. You're like, hey, we, we're, we have, we're having a cash flow problem. You're making yourself vulnerable in that moment. Maybe your customers, sure. you know, I'm worried my customer doesn't want to hear that we have a cash flow problem. They're like, that's your problem, not mine. Um, 
but the, we had a collaborative relationship with our customers where we could have those conversations. I think I wish I hadn't been waited until I was like against the ropes about to go bankrupt on, on this issue and just called it a little bit earlier. I can think about applying, approaching it with more confidence, which is just, hey, we're having an issue. I know that's a, it's just a function of how we design this and we're going to fix that. It's not a big deal. Um, right. The power yeah. of communication and conversation, right? Like they were asking their end users for the money up front. Like right. they know, they know the costs right. associated with this. Right. Because they know, because that was, that was what was, what I was thinking was like, oh, they are used to having this float loan because they don't have to pay us for net 30. They get it from their customers up front. They, this is going to kill their business. And the reality is I was, uh, I forget the terms for all this, but I was I was projecting is what I was doing. Right. I was having cash flow problems. I assumed they were having cash flow problems. They were actually running their businesses that have been up and running for years. They didn't have the same kind of startup problems that I was having. Um, so I was projecting, you know, and I think that's, it's hard to see through your projections sometimes. Well, there, uh, and there's a fear of, there's a fear of the answer that you're going to get back. I, I always used to joke yeah. that, that, uh, you know, I, I, I crave feedback. I loathe criticism. I mean, yeah. same, the same, <laughs> the same can be Not said. Not you, Brian. No. <laughs> so for, for, for asking, for asking the questions and you're afraid of the answer that you're going to get back. Yeah. And especially in a case like, like you were in, because if your customers had fought back, it, you would have been in a, in a, in a pretty sticky predicament at that point. I would have been out of business. Right. You know? Right. And so those are, I think, a load feedback, hate criticism. My wife and I talk about this when you're like, well, like, oh, I want to show you something. And they're like, are you looking for feedback or a pat on the back? Right. Because right. It's, it matters. You're like, actually, I, I don't want feedback. I want you to tell me I did a good job. And sometimes right. that's what you're looking for. Right. I love that. I always say that. What kind of listener do you want me to be? <laughs> it's just a quick check in before yeah. I ruin your, your night. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, so it, are there any other areas? I mean, that, that was a that was a great one. And again, for younger entrepreneurs or, or maybe someone that's, that's only coming out of their first bankruptcy, like <laughs> hey, what are, <laughs> what, what are, what are some other, other areas to focus on to really kind of drive forward? Because I, you know, I, I look, there's, there's two, there's two phases to it. I'm, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to ask this in a two part question. One is what, what are some other areas, but two you know, you get to the first sort of level of success as an entrepreneur, and and you know, I I've, I've always felt like the the old expression, if you're not growing, you're 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 dying, is really if you're not innovating, innovating, you're dying. Mm -hmm. And so so where are some areas and and traps and sort of pitfalls to watch out for there as well? Well, I can only speak to my my own sort of patterns that I've picked up on. I think one of the things I've noticed is I reach for taking action right now, even if it's the wrong action. Like somebody's like, we need to get to China. And I'm like, great, I'm gonna start swimming because right. we got to get to China. And right. they're like, that's a bad plan. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad plan. <laughs> but I thought you said that's what we were doing. <laughs> right. And so it's. I think that like I – you know, they talk about having a disposition towards action. I think I've got that. Right. And so sometimes you need a disposition for like thinking two steps ahead. Right. To, uh, you know, that moment when you're drowning, you know, still clearly in U.S. waters. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting you say that because you do get yourself trapped in a situation where you you want to move forward. Right. Everything is you, you're you're busy. You and and. And taking that step back 
yeah. to be more strategic in your yes. thinking sometimes is so difficult to do when you're in the moment. And are you busy with the right activities that are setting you up long term, right? Because if you're, you know, paddling to China, you're you're busy. Right. You're very, very busy <laughs> and you feel engaged and it's a life or death struggle, literally in that case, but it's all the wrong work, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and and you're not seeing the fact that you're that, that you're out there paddling and you're fighting off the sharks and you're making your way across. While yeah. if you had thought it through, you could have been there already and, yeah. and, and been activating whatever your next strategic plan yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. And so trying to understand, I guess, how you're spending your time. Like I, I keep a lot of notes personally. Like I just like every like 30 minutes of my day is like documented. Um, just like talking to myself, basically, I've realized trying to form my thoughts into, am I working on a high value problem right now? And I know I've got personal like traps that I'm actually indulging a little bit right now, but I know it's a trap at least, which is going deep into the solution myself. I like to wade into the technical area. I like to wade into the code. And then I, I realized actually at um, once Whiplash was like at a sufficient scale that there was like real complexity to manage there. I was actually hiding from some of the other problems that I didn't know how to solve like oh i don't know what's happening with like you know maybe a, a a lawsuit or like an hr situation i don't really know what the plan is there yet let me go spend you know 35 hours working on some code right. where things are clear and i know what to do and this idea that if i just work hard enough i'll, I'll fix it and everything will be better i was actually hiding from some right. of the other stuff that i that i should have been addressing and, and higher leverage activities for a well, ceo Right. I mean, some, some escape to the bottom of a bottle. Others go to coding. <laughs> we've all got our we've all got our, uh, our vices. Brian, don't judge me. <laughs> as long as you don't judge mine. Coder tequila. <laughs> either way, either way. I think I got a little bit lucky in life and that I'm slightly allergic to alcohol. So there's some natural uh, uh, some protection there. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's great. And, you know, it's it's just so hard to to sometimes rise above, you know, and as a business owner, you know, you get pulled into these yeah. helping put out fires and doing yeah. so many different things that it is hard to continue to work on your business. Well, so that's the fascinating, the language you, you just used there sums it up. Are you working on the business or are you working in the business? Yeah. And the reality is, I think once the once it gets going a little bit, you end up being in the business, which means no one's working on the business. Right. It, it's one of the easiest things I had. I had a um, a business coach, and we talked about that years ago uh, before I had uh, sold my company. And he said, you know, you, I, I see what you do and you're very in the business. And yeah. you know, and I, I, and I will say, and and. It's really a matter of I had some great people working for me, um, but I didn't have any great leaders to backfill me mm -hmm. in the role that I was playing working in the business. Mm -hmm. And that did not allow me to work on the business. And I think that that's a real critical piece as you're as you're growing businesses. 
Well, and it, it really turns into how big the business is, is going to get and how far it's going to go. Like when we were you know, talking to VCs early in Whiplash, and v, Whiplash didn't really end up being much of a VC business. We, we took a little bit of funding in the end shortly before we were acquired. Um, years before that, we were talking to VCs, and we would get rave reviews. But what they were listening for, I think, was really that question because the rave reviews they were getting was like, oh, James is fantastic, which was flattering. But then right. the VCs are like, wrong answer. Right. James doesn't scale. Right. No, and 100%. And I'm like, you don't know how hard I'm going to work. And they're like, we don't care. <laughs> That's not Leave the man wrong again, James. <laughs> right. So, of course, I take that as like a little bit of like, you know, fuel for the anti-authoritarian fire, which is ultimately <laughs> why I sort of don't. I, I think it's interesting, like this whole entrepreneur authority thing. There's there's a lot there for me to unpack still. Um, but like VC is it's really asking for permission, like. Please, sir, may I run this business? <laughs> and it's just like, no. no I, think, I think I'd rather be a bootstrapper, uh, even though I have friends who are VCs and I see the power. And I'm not saying that we won't do it again, but like I realize it just feels like giving power away. And, right. and that feels like the whole reason I'm running a business is so I can like, no, we're going to do this right. We're going to do this, you know what I think is the right way to, to be done, which is thankfully, you know, serves customers and all those things. Right. It, it, the evil just becomes when you, you know, in order to get to and see your vision through when you need their cash. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think, damn you, damn you money. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and maybe if, if I had like different, uh, if my inclination was to like screw over customers, then maybe there'd be something evil in, in my approach. But I am so customer driven. I, I think there's like a chart where I'm just like extremely high on empathy. I'm like, oh, that customer who just fired us and filed a lawsuit and like was, you know, agrariously against us and like fabricated the, this lawsuit. I can kind of see where they're coming from. Right. And it's like, that, that's not always helpful. I think it actually limits me as a CEO. I think a CEO can sometimes be a little bit low empathy and right. just say, here's the path and I don't care who gets, you know, uh, I'm heads will roll type thing. I'm, I'm not that guy. Um, and so I guess at this point in my life, I'm just like, I don't want to be that guy. Maybe I'm not Steve Jobs. That's fine. Right. I just want to be myself and, and do my thing and, and hope, hope that there's value in that, basically. Well, I, you know, as, as that entrepreneur, right, you have a passion for your product or service. And anyone who will give your product or service the time of day, yeah. you're going to have passion for them, too. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. And I think that's, these are the questions I was asking when I left Whiplash and trying to kind of figure out my next act, which I'm still in the process of. But I, I came to this question, I think I was, I, through my, my coach gave it to me, who do you want to serve? Because right. at the end of the day, like that's, that's when you show up and your inbox is full or your phone's blowing up or whatever, who do you want in your inbox demanding answers? And so it goes back to, for me, that goes back to like the you know, indie businesses and artists and bands and, and sort of people that I can relate to. And it's like, I want their businesses to thrive. And so as long as I orient around helping and like being of service, then I, I think the rest sort of takes care of itself to a degree. Yeah, no, that's amazing. It really, it really, it really sums it up. And it sums up, look, I mean, this is, again, the opportunities that are there for entrepreneurs to come in and kind of find find their passion and and help share that with with whomever in their way yeah. uh, it, it, the opportunities are there yeah 
Yeah, and find that intersection point of what do people need help with and what am I good at and what do I have passion about, right? Because when you get all those three things to line up, then suddenly suddenly you're, you're gold. Yep, absolutely. All right, James, man, it has been great catching up with you and appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was fun. It's been awesome. Caitlin, you want to walk us out? Sure. James, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Tune in next time on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Peace. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.